This episode is supported by Dubois at Grenovation. For irrigation supplies, hand tools, mulch films, pest control, containers, and much more, visit Dubois Egg Renovation at DuboisAg.com and get free shipping on orders of $200 or more. That's D-U-B-O-I-S-A-G.com. We need to be opening up uh, uh, the space as a society, as a culture, to begin exploring complexity which is something that we're actually not really that good at exploring, like dealing with the sustainability of the agri-food sector, for instance, within British Columbia, as it's facing the challenges that it faces. A lot of this stuff, it, it just, it, it really would benefit quite a bit from more people being involved in the process and the process becoming more inviting to people to bring their different views and their different their knowledges and practices to bear on that complex problem because I think you know there's really there's really no other way around it at this point it's kind of our end game <laughs> it's, it's we have to work together now uh, or or it's just not going to look good I'm Jordan Marr and this is The Ruminant a podcast about food politics and food security and the cultural and practical aspects of farming you can find out more at theruminant.ca or email me, editor at theruminant.ca. I'm on Twitter, at ruminantblog, or find me on Facebook. All right, let's do a show. Hey folks, it's Jordan. This is episode four of a five-episode batch that I'm dropping all at once. My guest today is Stefan Morales. He produces the Working Together podcast, a show that aims to amplify lessons from the front line of pragmatic social change. I don't remember exactly how Stefan and I got connected, but here's why I wanted to interview him. Both of us entered university with no background whatsoever in agriculture. During university, both of us learned a lot about farming and food systems and got fired up about being part of the movement to address some of the negative consequences of how humans feed themselves. But from there, our paths diverged. I became a farmer, and Stefan entered the nonprofit and government sphere, which is exactly what I had hoped to do before veering off into farming, which is why I was really keen to ask him to describe his perspective. Because here's the thing. Ten years into my farming career, I have to admit to possessing more cynicism about the role of government and nonprofits in driving real change than I once did. Things actually get mildly tense between the two of us in this conversation, though they end off well. And in the process, Stefan shares some really thoughtful ideas about the importance of staying civically engaged and some reforms to civic participation that he thinks would make curmudgeons like me a little less cynical. So that's what's in store. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And I'll talk to you at the end. Hi, my name is Stefan Morales. I am the host and founder of Working Together. Uh, it's all about exploring who we humans are and how we can work together better. Um, and uh, I'm interested, as always, in archipelagos of a possible future, the little sites and places around the world where I see a sustainable and progressive uh, future on the horizon. And farming is a really key space for that for me. Stefan Morales, thanks a lot for coming on the Room in a Podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to start, I guess. Am I right in assuming that you didn't have much of a farming and food background before your undergraduate degree? Is that a fair statement? Oh, totally fair. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I grew up in cities and moved around quite a bit. Uh, yeah, 
but not on a farm. Okay, so that's the same for me. No, and my farming friends always, you know, they 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 always take a chance to to tell me that. You know? <laughs> like, what are you doing, getting interested in this stuff? Well, so I was you know, the, I, uh... I was the same way, and I'll talk a bit about that. But but uh, but I think that's key. I think it's key, and and it's it's a common starting point is that we both entered university with like just no thought given over to to these topics um it was so far from what i thought i was interested in or where i ever thought i'd end up so that's important it was the same for you and maybe you can just pick it up there so so kind of um in short order try and get us to how you got interested in these these topics related to food and farming back in 2006 i graduated from university of victoria and then two years later i went and started my master's studies out at the University of Acadia in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, um, and kind of one of the one of the things that I decided to myself before I went there to do this work, because when you do a master's, you have to write a thesis and you have to kind of write this big long document and do research and everything. So one of the things I decided was I wasn't going to write a thesis on something that wasn't. Um, that wasn't around me, that wasn't something I could actually sense, you know, with, with, you know, my, my, my full sensory experience of things. I didn't want to be writing a thesis that meant I had to be only reading journal articles and only uh, reading books and things like this and, and having to be glued to a computer screen. I wanted to write something that I could be kind of immersed in. And that's really how I kind of came into the track of sustainable agriculture and, um, you know, kind of this alternative conversation around rural economy and and kind of building community capacity in the countryside um, and tying in with people who were doing that there. So a lot of my thesis work ended up being informed quite a bit by work that I did in nonprofits that were in the, the food and agriculture world in Nova Scotia. Um, uh, either like on the kind of policy kind of activism front or on the straight up, you know, we need to create some education programs on our community farm. So like at a, at a high level, that's kind of, that's kind of how I ended up in, in, uh, in that space. And I came out of my graduate program kind of strangely enough, uh, wanting to work in government at some point. I knew that I, I couldn't probably just jump right into that, um, but I knew I wanted to at some point work in policy, in particular focus on, uh, you know, kind of agroecological policy in in some fashion or another. Um, yeah, and but I didn't get there right away. There's there's a lot of other things I did before then, but it it, it was it was definitely where I was pointing myself. This, this marks a good spot to just like a little fr- like further frame this conversation for listeners. Sure, yeah. So so if I haven't made it clear already, I really just want to explore how ultimately we came out of university with a similar set of ambitions and that and I am generalizing or simplifying a bit, but you kind of headed off more in a uh, like a lot of your your, you know, your CV now speaks to the work, work you did at the, at the kind of governmental or or nonprofit level at the, on, on policy type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I ended up becoming a farmer. Yeah. So, so, well, I don't know. Let's jump to like the, you finished, you finished your, ma- your master's, you finished your thesis, which by the way, uh, I took a look at cause you sent it to me, Stefan clearly it, well, to me, it sounds like, um, you both 
would have enjoyed and could have held your own staying in academia. Um, you didn't do that. Uh, so maybe, maybe you could kind of um, talk about, I guess, your exit from grad school and uh, where you started out and how you ended up working in, in the general realm of, of like food systems. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we ended up moving back to British Columbia, uh, to Victoria, BC, actually. Um, and while we were there, we started to, uh, organize within the community, um, uh, a series of skill and knowledge sharing events called the wayward school. This was my, my wife, Heather Cosadetto and I, and, uh, and, for some of those events that we organized, we were focusing specifically on urban agriculture topics. Uh, and then through that time, I also ended up getting involved in Life Cycles Project Society, which is a nonprofit in Victoria that they do a lot of uh, urban agriculture kind of education outreach to schools. But they also had another program called the Fruit Tree Project, which uh, was, was a project that I helped coordinate for one season where we essentially went and gathered gleaned fruit from trees and uh and kind of donated some of it to food banks but also repurposed it for uh for various value-added products that life cycles had at the time that they were using to generate income to help offset the need for grants uh and i also uh joined the board of the victoria downtown public market society and their whole goal was to build the momentum uh, and the plan to put in a permanent uh, indoor public market in the city of Victoria. Uh, and so I, I did a lot of work with them for almost three years as a board member uh, and got quite involved in in the food and agriculture scene in Victoria from this from this level where I guess, you know, I was trying to support the farming community indirectly by creating opportunities for the farming community to grow into. Um, and I have some, have some learnings from that whole process that then kind of catapulted me somewhat into government. I ended up using a lot of the skills and everything that I learned doing those kind of jobs uh, to then get into government and worked for government for about, uh, I guess, a little over six years in all sorts of different uh ministries in different kind of roles. I ended up moving into the Ministry of Agriculture, which I was very excited to do, obviously. Um, feeling very like, oh, this is this is going to be great. I'm going to, in some way or another, uh, have have an ability to, um, you know, plug into into the policy mechanism of of farming and agriculture and maybe have some sort of impact in so doing. Um, and well, I was in that ministry. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll stop ahead. you and say, like, you just described what I wanted to do, what I thought I wanted to do anyway when I graduated. Like, you you put yourself in the position that I that I at one point really hoped to do. So this is just really interesting to hear about. So please continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it was a it was a fantastic experience doing doing all of this, um, but I learned a heck of a lot about. I guess the pragmatics of it all, right? Like, um, and the complexity of some of the issues that, that get dealt with uh, at the level of government. 
so yeah, I, I moved into the Ministry of Agriculture. I started out there doing uh, doing work uh, for the innovation unit. I was actually a, uh, uh, I think I was called like an agro innovation analyst. And uh, I don't know if you, Jordan, or your listeners are familiar with the uh, fantastic Agro Innovations podcast, uh, which was, I don't know. I mean, that was like, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was my go-to podcast for many, many years. Uh, Frank Aragona. Uh, anyway, so here I was. I was now an agro innovation analyst, and I was super jazzed about it. Um, but uh, but I found that uh, you know there there was there was this thing called the bureaucracy that is also a part of government that is government, right? That mm-hmm. <laughs> that you then have to start kind of learning about how to. Um, work within right and Mm -hmm. how to get stuff done within and there's a whole different time scale around that right like things are a lot slower i had learned this already in the in the previous job where i was doing kind of more municipal affairs type stuff um you know the policy cycle can take years and years uh to run its course Uh, but now i was seeing it also at the level of um of, of supporting agricultural innovation in various universities and college campuses in BC. Um, and, and, you know, seeing the, seeing the good work that they were doing, trying to do all sorts of uh, fascinating things uh, like, you know, growing alfalfa in um, shipping containers to have uh, year round grass fed beef, for instance, was one project that I, that I wasn't, uh, involved in, but was overseen. So this was this was the other thing that, like, a lot of what happens in government is that you're not really, you don't really get involved in things, but you do a heck of a lot of overseeing of things mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of um, structuring the conditions for things if you're doing policy and, and stuff like that. Um, okay, but well... It's, but it's rare that you're getting your hands very messy in terms of the doing. Okay, well, I want to come back to that point, but I just want to try and, and this is, I think it'll be useful to focus this part of the conversation. So um, let's really, even though you, you, you have varied experiences uh, within the government, can, can we just hone in on, on this specific one with agro innovation? Um, sure. So like, can you, can, you, can you be specific about what it was your or your department's job to do? Yeah. And, you know, I don't I also don't want to dwell too much on just the uh, the agro innovation role, because I learned a heck of a lot as well, working um, uh, working with the executive uh, within within the Ministry of Agriculture and another role that I that I had the uh, the good fortune of of having Uh, and and through that role learned a lot about how, you know, I guess I guess, uh, you know, I don't know how else to put it, but I mean, I guess just how uh, citizens and citizen groups and nonprofits and and folks such as yourself and your listeners and everybody out there who have a stake and an interest in agriculture, how they should be working with government. Um, So I'll get to that. But first, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about kind of what we had to do in in this in this program. Essentially, what what we were in charge of doing was. uh, there's this uh, federal-provincial uh, agreement in place uh, that that has uh, 
a funding component. At the time, it was called Growing Forward. And this this uh, funding component, you know, you go out and you you uh, fund various different initiatives. Um, and this this uh, this this grant money uh, that I was working on with with my colleagues, uh, it it had to do with funding agricultural innovations um, that could, you know, give uh, BC's sector kind of the the leading edge, so to speak. Um, by you know developing some new process or something like this so a lot of the work that we were doing was uh you know it's essentially contract management work right so we were we were taking uh the funds that we had through this federal provincial agreement uh and the provinces all the provinces in canada were you know divvying up the amount of uh money that they had to different projects and so that's exactly what we were doing we were divvying these parcels of money up to different projects you know, universities usually would apply to do them. Um, and then we would just be monitoring the projects to make sure that they were actually making uh, some sort of impact and that they were candidates to continue being funded. So it was very basic, right? It was very mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, this is something that, you know, it's, it's public knowledge. This is what is, this is what is being done. We're just, um, we're just supporting innovation that's happening in universities. So there was university professors that, you know, I was in contact with to follow up with them about, you know, you know, how their projects were going and, and this sort of thing. It was, it was, it was not as sexy as I thought it would be, so, but, but it is, was is interesting. The idea, the idea, it was interesting to see it. But the idea, the, the idea is you were part of a group in the ministry that essentially managed a program to help innovators in the uh university sphere but perhaps also in the in the for-profit sphere like develop their ideas is that the general's yeah sense of it yeah generally yeah and okay so so can you talk about so like at this point like i want to acknowledge like i have you know i have i have like a lot of farmers i have some cynicism about aspects of the government role in, in improving food systems and agriculture, not complete Mm -hmm. cynicism, Stefan. Um, and because I think, I think there's no way around that, that, that government and nonprofit play an important role, but I want to better understand. And I think listeners do too. So I just, I'm really interested to hear someone who was in it talk about, what felt productive about it and what felt rewarding and what made you want to bang your head against a wall and what wasn't productive about it. Um, Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? This episode is supported by Dubois Agrinovation. Renowned for their customer service, Dubois can be your one-stop shop for tools and supplies for the modern farm and market garden. Irrigation supplies, hand tools, pest control, mulch films, containers, and on and on. Visit them at DuboisAg.com and get free shipping on orders of $200 or more. As a market gardener myself, I've benefited from their huge selection, and it's really easy to get someone on the phone to ask questions and build an order. That's D-U-B-O-I-S-A-G.com. Thanks to Dubois for their support. Hey there. One more note while we're talking about show support. Producing this podcast is a ton of work, so if you're enjoying it, please consider supporting it. You can do so at theruminant.ca slash gift registry. That's the ruminant.ca slash gift registry. Thanks, folks. 
can you talk about so like at this point like i want to acknowledge like i have you know i have i have like a lot of farmers i have some cynicism about aspects of the government role in in improving food systems and agriculture not complete mm -hmm. cynicism stefan um and because i think i think there's no way around that 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 government and nonprofit play an important role but i want to better understand and i think listeners do too so i just i'm really interested to hear someone who was in it talk about what felt productive about it and what felt rewarding and what made you want to bang your head against a wall and what wasn't productive about it um right can you speak to that well, a little bit absolutely yeah um I'll, but I'll focus my I'll focus my comments on what was productive because mm -hmm. I think I think we all know you know that when you get into these bigger organizations these more complex organizations that are these very large bureaucracies um, that that things can slow down and that's just kind of like an obvious fact mm -hmm. uh, of government um, and it's also a, an obvious fact of large companies they also uh, they also have huge bureaucracies depending on how big they are. Right. Mm -hmm. And they also have slow moving parts. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's little nimbleness uh, sometimes in, in bureaucracies. So I think that's just kind of a given, but um, in terms of what was productive, like what I saw working, uh, I think that the workers within uh, within the Ministry of Agriculture, but also within all of the ministries that I worked in. Uh, they're just incredibly inspiring and productive people who, uh, you know, they really care about the, the greater public interest uh, of, of British Columbians, because I was working in the provincial government, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they really want to see the policies and the programs that they're implementing um, you know, make a positive impact in communities uh, and and in sectors. Um, and a lot of times, I think what happens is there's because of that bureaucratic aspect, there's a lot of opaqueness to how the system works from the outside. And it becomes really easy to kind of see it as something that isn't necessarily serving your particular interests or even your community's particular interests. Um, but there's, but there's, there's kind of this, I don't know how else to put it, but the way the province thinks about things, they have to think about the kind of all encompassing field of interests around a given issue. And, uh, and some governments uh, that, that, you know, the citizens of, of our province, but, the citizens of any of any place uh some governments are elected to consider like a different field of interest than another government right mm -hmm. and it's just kind of um you know it, it, i guess that's that's how the democratic system works in a way right like is that if a if a party gets in power that's like more pro-business and more x y and z and they have specific things on their platform about how they want to grow the agri-food sector or whatever, then when they get into power, they're going to be trying to do those specific things. They're going to try to, you know, deliver those promises that they made. And they're going to talk to people 
and work with people who are going to help them do that. And one of the things that uh, one of the things that I think I learned the most uh, after having been kind of in the nonprofit world and then in government was that the nonprofit sector and a lot of people within, I guess, what you want to call civil society, it's almost like we need to we need to get better at being government whisperers, so to speak, on on the agricultural topic, but also on a whole field of things. Right. There's there's certain groups and certain interests that are always going to be better at coming forward to government and, you know, making sure that their interests are are known and are clearly understood. And then there's other groups of, of folks out there that that don't, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they're they're not organized enough or they're not coming forward in a in a uh, kind of unified fashion or something. They're not representing a group of people behind them, so to speak. And so they're not being heard in the same way that these other groups are. And there's there's a responsibility on the part of government to reach out to as many people as possible. But there's also the limited resources of being able to do so. And so there's also a responsibility in that in that sense for, I guess, just average Joes and folks like me and you to become more engaged in politics and become more connected up, I guess, with the conversations that are feeding into those those policies that are being developed and those programs that are being considered. But and there's no and there's no better time to do that um, than right after an election or but when. But... Stefan, oh, yeah, you, you've said so much that's interesting. We could, I could take us, try to take us on a, one of a number of different tangents. Uh, your point about just, you made a couple of points about the machinations of government and the important for groups with relatively common goals to be unified. Fascinating stuff. You obviously have insights that could be super helpful for people who want to make change within this realm. However, I just think it is, it's telling and I will, and I will give you a chance to defend yourself against this point. But I, I think it's telling, or you, I think it's telling that I asked. My original question was, what was productive about what you worked on, and your answer started as a um, defense of the intentions uh, of the people who were doing it. No, no, but just give me, because give me a chance. I think this is. I don't think this is just by accident. Your very first response was the people doing it were awesome. They cared and they wanted to make change. And then you kind of meandered into sort of talking around all the reasons without actually saying it that maybe not a lot happened. You didn't say not a lot happened. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out you didn't say that. You started sort of ex touching on a bunch of reasons why it's very hard to make things happen. And to that I will add to the extent that I'm, I am, to the extent that I'm at least somewhat cynical about this stuff. Um, I'm not personally cynical about the people. Uh, I brush up against them a lot just because of my various, I guess, I don't know, I end up in a lot of forums and conferences and whatever. And I, I meet these people. I meet, I meet the nonprofit people. I meet the government people. The vast majority of them clearly are, are smart people who want to make a difference. But my original question I will point out was, tell me about how productive that department or group was in their goals. No, 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 no. That's just telling of my poor memory. <laughs> uh, this was, this was back in, let's see, 2013, 
2014 and into part of 2015 as well. So uh, actually more, more mainly 2014 and 2015, I think. So no, there, I mean, there's lots of things that, that got done uh, from within government uh, and there's things that are getting done all the time. I mean, the, the field of workers that are, that are working on, I mean, they're just, they're, they're immense. The difficult thing is being able necessarily to talk specifically about things that are, that are kind of underway or that are, that are being worked on. Mm -hmm. This was something that, uh, you know, that as, as like a government employee at the time, it was always hard to do because you couldn't actually really ever talk too much about your work. Uh, because things were always on ongoing and, and you, you had to kind of wait until there was some sort of big announcement or an announceable or something like this. But I mean, there's all you have to do is just go to the, you know, BC government news website, whatever that is. And they're always taking whatever opportunity they can to announce, you know, whatever project or program they're, they're doing right now. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, I uh, I saw a lot of different interesting initiatives get off the ground, uh, some small, some big, and some contentious, obviously. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's at at, at this point, I, I I don't really follow it anymore, so mm -hmm. I don't know necessarily what is happening in that in that. But but whole can you policy sphere of agriculture? I was in that I was in that agro innovation position for about. Uh, about a year mm -hmm. so I saw I saw projects kind of happening but I wasn't in it long enough to kind of see things go from like inception all the way to completion mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah I, I don't know if I can provide a good answer okay well let me let me just ask but, you this but, but but you know like I I uh, I will say that a heck of a lot of work is done and uh, I don't necessarily know if I'm comfortable with the direction you're trying to lead. Well, I this conversation. If, if you think I'm trying to lead it, I apologize, Stefan. I'm just I'm trying. I want to. This is how I would frame it. I'm trying to. I'm. I have a chance right now in talking to you to talk to someone who's been on that side of things, and I'm. I think we both know that there's cynicism about the role of government in some of these things. I have some of that cynicism, although I'm not completely cynical. And so I'm just trying to understand from your inside perspective, like I said early on in the conversation, what felt good, what really felt important, and what what practical role governments can and do play versus what aspects of it were frustrating. Um, does that make sense? I so I apologize if if it feels like I am trying to put words in your mouth. That's that's well, certainly not I mean, my intention. Here's here's the thing. Like from my end, I have uh, like there's a certain degree of professional integrity. I guess I have to like I can't um you know I I, I guess I'm just wondering what what it is that you're uh, looking for in terms of okay. So let's start. Uh, let's go. Let's go here. You made a joke in starting out in talking about your work uh, in the Ministry of Ag about bureaucracy getting in the way, right? So that to me is a reference to how it must be frustrating in some ways, right? Yes, like, yeah. um, again, I don't, I don't doubt the intentions of the people involved. I don't, in, I doubt, I don't doubt the intentions of the government itself, but this, a central question 
we're not going to get to the bottom of in this conversation, but that I'm I'm interested in exploring in an ongoing way is whether some of the frustrations that do exist um, are just necessary and while certainly bogging down the process uh, don't doesn't mean that the pro the process still isn't productive or whether the structure of government and some of the realities of government like the election cycle for example just prevent very much practical results following from these good intentions that that you know that's like a big question and i was i was and am hoping for you to provide some insight about that given that you ultimately ended up in the position that I, re I at one time really wanted to be in and ultimately took a different path. So that's kind of what, where I was coming from. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, I guess if, uh, if I could answer it uh, kind of cheekily, I would say that one thing that I learned from my time in government was that we cannot forget that... Uh, that government is us mm -hmm. right like there's this there's this sensibility that arises um uh that you know it, it's it's slow it's not getting anything done i'm not seeing a difference in my bottom line um you know what what like it, it's it's totally disconnected from from what i'm engaged in and involved in right mm -hmm. but uh you know it, it kind of it kind of comes back to um i think uh, really what what a lot of us in our society have kind of lost the the art of which is politics which is just doing politics not in the big capital p politics way of parties you know and being involved in that kind of mechanism but in the smart kind of way of citizens coming together making sure that their you know that their interests uh you know are mutually understood and recognized uh and then like and then you know beginning to leverage that somewhat to these representatives who um you know who occupy these positions of power which they only occupy because we elected them to those positions right mm -hmm. um and sure, there's tons of distortions in the system right now. I'm not, I'm not defending the system and saying that it's perfect by any means whatsoever. I think, you know, absolutely, uh, we all need to start thinking about a different form of democracy, a different form of governance that allows people and communities to be more involved and engaged in the decision-making process. And on my podcast, I've talked with people specifically about different mechanisms and processes that are currently being used to do just that. So there's, there's answers out there. Um, it's just that they're new and mm -hmm. they're a little scary to us and still have to figure them out. So, you know, as, as far as my experience of having kind of gone through the machinery of government uh, was, you know, my central lesson from it was that, um, that there's, these windows of opportunities, let's call it the election cycle. But there's, there's other opportunities as well, where essentially the decision makers, they're, they're really 
they're looking for engagement and involvement from citizen groups and from people who have kind of articulated their interests clearly and want to uh, enable uh, you know the, the the government in power to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish and those are fantastic opportunities to you know try to meet with the minister and try and kind of get involved at that level and I think that um, there's also the other ongoing level of constituency offices of being kind of more engaged with local representatives and things like this these are all really important but they're kind of like <laughs> you know they're kind of like they're kind of the baseline when you hold them up to these other new ways that I mentioned uh, just moments ago, uh, that, that we could be coming together as communities to make decisions about the things that matter. Um, and uh, and so for me, the thing that I learned was that the policy mechanisms and all of that within government, they're great to engage in, they're great to become more knowledgeable about in, but less so from kind of an armchair cynic standpoint and more so from a, we have to roll up our sleeves uh, and begin kind of forming coalitions with other people in my community, with people that I know, to begin articulating this, this understanding that we share about this policy, whether it's working or not, or whether we see a new one that needs to be put in place, so that we can go and bend the ear of the representative so that they understand that we're an organized group of people who represent X number of constituents. And so there's a political interest in them kind of listening to what it is that they have to say. And a, and a thing that happens in BC politics, I think quite a bit is uh, a lot of those groups uh, were established way back in the WAC Bennett era um, in the agricultural community. You know, we have the fruit growers uh, organizations and things of this nature who they came together decades and decades ago and and there's still a fairly strong and significant voice in the agriculture community in this province um, and I'd like to see that same kind of strong and significant voice develop in the sustainable ag community yeah what you're saying really resonates Stefan like um, just from various I guess committees or boards that I've I've been sitting on um, one, first of all, I can attest that, that, um, there are some, there are agricultural groups, typically industry groups in British Columbia that are, have been around a long time and do seem to have a lot of influence or clout, uh, at, you know, with government. Uh, and then there's, for example, the organic industry, which has been criticized in recent years for not doing what you're advocating people who want to see change need to do, which is come together and cooperate, um, which 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 can be hard to do because it any movement tends to start with um a bunch of somewhat similar similar yet kind of disparate points of view about how things need to change yes yes absolutely and and you can't you can't really you can't really deal with those uh dissimilar viewpoints unless you all get in a room together with the facilitator or a mediator and things like this. And this is really what a lot of the work that I do with working together is all about. Mm -hmm. You can't really, you can't really bring people together. Sorry. You can't really begin articulating a meaningful voice unless those interests have had the opportunity to work it out amongst themselves. 
and 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 find the kind of mutual common ground that they can then spring forth from right and this this kind of division exists all throughout our society there's i think you know i don't i don't want to like I, I guess i want to call it kind of like a like a goldilocks thing or something <laughs> i don't know but there's there's a lot of this like it's got to be just right or else i'm not going to be politically involved in this thing that tends to happen in a lot of the community organizing that i've been in a part of at least uh and i i think my sense is is that that is across the board in a lot of progressive communities and that we need to actually disagree more with each other publicly in kind of meeting spaces and begin kind of smushing together our different viewpoints and things like this so that we can begin articulating what it is that we mutually agree on to then go forward with you know proposals one vision from. one voice no i think you're right i but unfortunately i think it is a tough pill for a lot of people in those communities to swallow the idea of you know what one person might call compromise which it sounds like you're advocating for in a smart way is compromise what another calls selling out or or do you know what i mean so stefan let's actually transition to talking about you know your more recent work uh so maybe you could just kind of I don't know, find, summarize, you talked specifically about some of your previous work. Maybe you could just kind of provide one last summary of, of your trajectory and then just take us to like work this, this project that you call working together and what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a good way to bring me up to the present in all of this is to, um, is to kind of recognize that, uh, I guess the central lesson that I've, that I've been learning through all of this, uh, this, these kind of varied work experiences uh, in the nonprofit and, and government worlds and, and business worlds um, is the need for uh, like collaboration in just the, the straight up getting people together in a room, uh, working through problems together and, um, and doing so in a way that's informed by all of the scientific understandings that we've been gathering about ourselves over the past few decades in particular, um, you know, that, that, that will help the outcome that comes from that conversation or from that meeting be, be one that a lot of the people in the room can feel comfortable standing behind, right? So working together for me has been something that I've been uh, striving to do in all of my uh, positions that I've had and all of my work experiences that I've had is always have a kind of very collegiate and exploratory and curious approach to group work with people. And, you know, using tools and things like this to do so has been largely what my, what my practice has been for many years. So although I've, I've tended to focus on things like sustainable agriculture um and and also you know urban planning and urban politics and stuff like this as subject areas that i'm that i'm interested in i think an underlying red thread throughout it has been just this question about how how can we work together better you know just basically right <laughs> like there's there's got to be a better way to do this and we touched on that a little bit when we were talking about government and um you know what i consider to be just the like the baseline condition uh, which is accessible to us right now, right? Which is working together better to articulate our mutual interests to then take those forward 
to government in smart ways so that we can see those interests reflected in the policies and the programs that they develop. That's like a baseline. But then there's this whole next level, which I feel as a society, we need to be practicing and thinking about more given the sorts of challenges that we face in the 21st century around climate change, around, you know, the wealth gap, all of these, all of these issues that, uh, that are pretty complex problems and that we need to sort out. So working together for me has been about providing the tools to people, whether me kind of directly going out and providing services to folks to help, you know, facilitate the kind of uh, exchanges that we've been talking about where people do reach a mutual interest or educating people in how to just collaborate better based on the science that we now kind of know about what, what makes a situation for collaboration um, or what, what makes a situation more conducive for collaboration, so to speak. Well, Stefan, I want to, I want to, I think, I think, we could go we could mine that quite a bit i think i'll just ultimately ask you about your podcast but but i as you were talking about that it had me wondering to what extent as you as you do this project you you have felt the need to account for uh the the kind of era of um rapid changes to the media and the widespread um dispersion of misinformation and stuff like like because you're talking about doing something really important which is bringing people together and collaborating um but it must compared to 10 or 20 years ago that must be almost a lot harder to do just because you know it's a lot facts aren't facts anymore you know like everyone's got their facts that that, that they're coming to the table with. Is that at all a consideration or, or not really so far? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my wife and I, we're always talking about all this stuff. You know, some people are in echo chambers, uh, really intense echo chambers too, like where they're the kind of misinformation that they're, <laughs> their working knowledge is based on is, is really out of, out of whack with science and all sorts of stuff. Right? Um, uh, so there, there's, there is a need to kind of actually pull people away from screens and get them to sit down and, and work through things together. This is how I think we should be working through a lot of the problems that we face right now is bringing groups of people together into a room, giving them a stake in the decisions and the recommendations that are being developed, and then educating them on the pros and the cons throughout that whole process. And you know, this whole issue around fake news and, and media and people being in their echo chambers, they're going to break out of those echo chambers pretty fast when they're in a room full of people who have different viewpoints, who are being told one thing by one group of experts and another thing by another group of experts, and then having to kind of together weigh through that, you know, mess of information and knowledge to try and develop, you know, what what it is that we think we should be putting forward as a recommendation or a decision for people to address this complex problem. I just I see I see no other way. 
I'm being a little too rose tinted right now. No, no, amen. I mean, certainly as a way to 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 rebuild the connection in people's minds between themselves and their government. Uh, Just to to reference something you said earlier of of people kind of, you know, forgetting that their government is them. Um, yes. And to build yeah. empathy for the decisions and the roles that, that the decisions governments have to make and the roles they play and, and whatnot. Um, super interesting stuff. And we can't talk forever. And we really need to um, we need to conclude our conversation. So I'll just I'll just finish by uh, just uh, asking you where people can access your podcast and the other aspects of your project. Sure. Uh, they can just go to togetherworking.com. So just all one word, togetherworking.com, and that will take them to the webpage. And uh, from there, they can look at the podcast, they can look at the blog posts and uh, the writings and whatnot that I do there. Cool. Well, Stefan, I just want to thank you one more time for coming on the show. It's been really interesting speaking with you. Thank you so much, Jordan. (laughs) Today I learned all right so that's it folks that was episode four of a five episode batch that i'm releasing all at once that's kind of a first for the show and the plan is one more batch of five episodes to be released in i don't know another six seven weeks something like that i've got the ideas for those episodes and uh just as soon as i get wrapped up releasing the current batch i will start to work furiously on the next one After that, I've got an idea for a kind of lighter summer series for the show. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, Yeah, so that's what's to come. But for now, I'll say goodbye, and I'll be talking to you in the next episode, which should be dropped in, like, the next 24 hours. Ciao. And maybe a roll of duct tape, and we'll run right outside of the city's reaches. We'll live off chestnut spring water and peaches. We'll own nothing to this world of thieves and live life like it was meant to be. trying to bleed us dry we could be happy with life in the country with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands i've been doing a lot of thinking some real soul searching and here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong. So we'll run right out into the wilds and braces. We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces and live next door to the birds and the bees and live life like it was meant to be.